0: Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machin of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com.
1: Welcome back to another episode of FPOG, Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals Podcast. This week, we are talking about potential tax changes. The Ways and Means Commission uh, or Committee produced a new piece of uh, proposed legislation, the American Families Plan. So, this week, we're going to dive into some of the changes introduced, what it could mean for you. And how specifically we see it potentially impacting oil and gas retirees. But it's important for us to mention kind of on the front end that this is a proposal. What, what ends up being passed is, could be probably not drastically different, but it could be materially different. So we're going to continue to track this as things develop and just be thinking about proactive strategies and, and what it means for us, our clients, and our future clients. So with that, Justin, what do you want to start with?
2: All right, where do we even begin? Uh, this is just so fun. Whenever we get a new piece of tax legislation to dive in and, and see what's all included, what's not included, and what are the planning, what are the financial planning opportunities uh, to navigate this this new potential change to our tax code? Okay, A couple of housekeeping items. Uh, I think we're going to do a ton of content on this. I think we, Jared, let's do our first webinar. Um, soon, and this would be a great topic to do it on to really go in depth and uh, draw out on a whiteboard, iPad uh, with some with some visuals, some of the some of the real moving parts of and, and how do you navigate these potential tax changes to lower your future taxes? And just like you mentioned, uh, there are a couple of things in this bill that will be very relevant uh, to oil and gas retirees and oil and gas professionals, and so backdoor Roth. Looks like the days of the backdoor Roth may be numbered and several other changes. So how about I start off and just give a quick outline of where we want to go with this discussion, and then let's just dive in and let's start talking about it. So four things that, that I want to cover. Uh, one, tax changes are coming. Uh, so I want to say that right now. You may be wondering, why would we do a podcast? Why would we do an entire episode on a piece of legislation that we don't even know if this is going to get passed? So we're going to go into the end of the weeds on a piece of legislation that is just a proposal. Um, it hasn't moved through the House or the Senate, uh, much less made its way to President Biden's uh, desk. So tax changes are coming is the first topic, and we're going to dive into why that is. Second topic, we have a pretty good idea of the types of changes coming, and so we'll we'll talk about the the types of changes, regardless if it's this bill or a modified version of this bill or a completely new. Uh, proposed piece of legislation. We do have a pretty good idea of of what's what's coming up in tax changes. Uh, number three, specifically, how is this or whatever the new tax tax changes, new tax policy uh, ends up being? How is that going to affect oil and gas professionals? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna cover that today, and then we're gonna hit on some other notes regarding this bill, uh, the political process. Where does it go from here? What are the chances uh, that it's passed? Almost equally as important as to what's in the tax bill is what is not in the tax bill.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. And I would just say, I think, yeah, this this bill is important as we talk and why tax changes are coming and why we're reviewing a proposal of a bill. It gives you an idea of what's in the crosshairs what our politicians are thinking about making changes to, where their eyes are focused, you know, rates and breakpoints, points, maybe the things that are debated, but getting an idea of where their heads are at and kind of driving incremental revenue is really good of an under, uh, from an understanding perspective. And, you know, you and I were talking before the show started. It's funny that we're already looking at another piece of legislation between the SECURE Act and the CARES Act. The velocity of changes in tax law has been... Just really high, and it, you know selfishly gives us keeps us busy when the rules of the game keep changing, so i 'm excited to dive in and talk about it.
2: We were joking before we started recording that sometimes it feels like Congress is kind of a marketing arm for CFps uh, it 's amazing how much they keep CFPs and CPA services relevant and necessary. How about we start with uh, that first point? Uh, tax changes are coming. So let's cover this real quick. Uh, Jared, you you just alluded to this. What you just mentioned is really important to understand. You just rattled off two major pieces of legislation that affect our, our tax situation that were passed in the last four less than four years. Uh, so those are two major changes. Now, what did you not mention? The largest tax change of them all, of the past, gosh, decade maybe, and that is the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, which was a couple years before the SECURE Act. Other things you didn't mention. So those three pieces of tax legislation have been passed in the past, uh, what is it, five years between those three? So now let's talk about what hasn't quite been passed, this bill and the Biden tax proposal from last spring. So it is interesting that I mean, we are just talking about some major changes in a, in a short period of time. But the reason I want to bring this up is to convey the message that, hey, if this passes or if it doesn't pass, tax changes are coming. They are absolutely happening. And I mean, absolutely, nothing is absolute, but the, the odds of, of major tax policy uh, taking place here in the next several months is very likely. And so that really leads us to the second point. We do have a pretty good idea of the types of changes coming. Uh, Jared, do you want to start us off with that one?
1: Yeah. So you know, I think as as we were looking at it, the big the big change is like what income bracket is really kind of exposed. There's. Some increases and uh, in, in top capital gains and some compression of income tax rates that are at the higher amounts, but really from like a dollar amount perspective, the four hundred thousand to five hundred thousand dollar a year income bracket people, you're going to be directly in the in the crosshairs of some of these proposed changes. So we talked about you know income and capital gains, but Medicare uh, taxes, and some other taxes that we'll talk about a little bit, but really that. Demographic, really, you'll want to have your eyes and ears peeled because there's a lot that could potentially impact you, and and it may not be you know material dollar amounts, but it'll make a difference, and especially over extended periods of time, if you're not thoughtful, and uh, you know you just want to be apprised of that and plan accordingly.
2: Yep, that's well put. If I had to just kind of give you a quick bullet point rundown, um, here's the changes that are going to likely take place, regardless of this bill or a or a different bill. Over four hundred thousand to four hundred fifty thousand in income—that's in the crosshairs. Why do I say that? I mean, the the Biden administration clearly conveyed that exact message with those exact income numbers uh, since the campaign. And so you likely remember, you know, all of the talk of, hey, if you make less than four hundred thousand a year, your taxes are not going up. And so now that we have two tax policy proposals. And going all the way back to the campaign, I I mean, in this piece of legislation clearly points out uh, over 400,000 if you are a single taxpayer or 450,000 if you're married, you're gonna see, if your income's over that level, you're gonna see a very noticeable tax increase. And other changes uh, that are coming in the crosshairs, so that's, what are we talking about there? That is income tax, federal income tax increasing. Other changes. This has been pretty clear you know, in, in every tax discussion for years, capital gains changes. So corporate tax rates are obviously in there as well, but capital gains much more important to the uh, average investor in, in, in person in our audience. Capital gains are going to change. Um, it would be very, very unlikely that they wouldn't change. Quick note on that though, the 0% capital gains tax bracket is still protected. That was left out of this bill. So we did an article a few weeks back on that topic, navigating and taking advantage of the 0% capital gains tax bracket. Huge opportunity for retirees, especially there. Other things in the crosshairs, I think that's the the big thing I want to point out is that regardless of what bill comes, if you make more than 450,000 a year, you need to be thinking through these things. Let me just put some n- hard numbers just for our listeners to give them like an I-
1: an idea. I think I think that would be helpful. So right now top marginal tax bracket for income 37%. And what they're proposing is 39.6%, but the the more interesting thing is where that ki- where that bracket kicks in out. Uh currently the 37% bracket kicks in at about $628,000 in income if you're married filing jointly under the new legislation, that 39.6 bracket will kick in at 450,000. So the top rate is higher, but also the brackets are compressed. So you get to the top bracket much quicker. And for capital gains, it goes from top marginal rate of 20% to 25%. So a material move.
2: Absolutely. That is pretty amazing. So you're right now, you're not even in the highest tax bracket. If you make $615,000 a year, that's a, that's a really high income, but you're not in the highest tax bracket. With this proposed change, I mean, you would pay, what is that? That's a, that's a 4.6% difference on almost $200,000 of income. So around 8,000 in additional federal taxes is what you're looking at if you're in that situation. How about we dive into specifics on how this affects oil and gas professionals? I think the biggest takeaway is if you're over 450 in income or 400 if you're a single taxpayer, you need to be very strategic. This is this is, you know, the elementary financial planning points. This is, you know, the fundamentals of the game. You need to be maxing out your pre-tax retirement plans. You need to be maxing out your HSA. Gosh, this really amplifies HSA. Uh, we're going to get into this. Roth accounts are under attack. Let's link this in the show notes just because it's so fascinating. There was an article a couple months ago, and, and we we covered this in our newsletter. If you're not on our newsletter, go to our website, sign up uh, to join our, our free newsletter. We love doing that every two weeks. But uh, we covered this, and, and it was a story about Peter Thiel and then several others uh, who, long story short, they had converted hundreds of millions of dollars from an IRA to a Roth IRA. And essentially, this bill is just crosshairs right on that. If you do anything to put a private uh, business interest, a a private placement in a Roth IRA, uh, this bill is not, not favorable to that idea at all.
1: Justin, I don't think we'll ever know, but I think the sticker shock of that was enough to get this in this bill. And I bet, I bet it goes through pretty in a pretty bipartisan way because of how tactical and nuanced of a of a recommendation that is. But it, it's just funny, you know, just how the media influences even even our lawmakers. We'll never know, but I think I think there's no way that's in the bill if if that article and the blast of Peter Tilly didn't happen and and give people a bunch of ammo to talk about it.
2: I think you're right. It was so captivating, similar to Mitt Romney, gosh, is this the 2012 election uh, where it came out that that Mitt Romney had like a $50 million, either IRA or Roth. Um, And this is, I mean, this is almost a decade ago. Uh, Peter Thiel's Roth IRA is uh, $5 billion. So the IRS is uh, about to dismantle that, unfortunately for him. But that's a super interesting uh, piece. Maybe we can link that or maybe we can even link our uh, our newsletter um, covering that in the show notes. Also, in the show notes, we're going to have some slides that Kitsis.com and Jeff Levine have prepared uh, from a webinar just this week covering this topic. It's going to have some very helpful visuals. You're going to be able to see the actual tax brackets as they are now and as their proposed changes would make them. It also points out some of the Roth changes. But yeah, when you think about specific things that oil and gas professionals need to understand, the first thing is that if your income is over that level, uh, you need to get really, really intentional and strategic and not miss any deduction opportunity. You need to be bunching your charitable contributions. You need to be bunching your property tax. There's a very high likelihood that the SALT limit, the $10,000 limit on property tax is going to be repealed for the next couple of years. So you need to be paying your property tax twice in one year and then alternating every other year, bunching your charitable contributions, maximizing your tax deduction, maxing out your HSA and 401k.
1: Totally agree. I I think HSA is one of the most misunderstood and underutilized retirement funding vehicles. And this is about tax, so we'll stay on that. But that's, that's definitely for another episode. I want to talk about what you said again. I love the verbiage you used. Roths being under attack. So what does that mean? Because a lot of our listeners are fully funding those things, taking advantage of that. And then there's after-tax retirement plan contributions you could potentially make. And this legislation could impact that. So you want to talk a little bit about backdoor Roths and after-tax plan conversions and and what's on the horizon so far?
2: Okay. uh, Let me try to give the quickest definition I can. A backdoor Roth IRA is when you make too much money to put a a contribution into your Roth IRA in a normal fashion. Uh, So let's say you make $250,000 a year, you're disqualified from contributing to a Roth IRA. So you can put $6,000 or $7,000 if you're over 50 in a regular IRA, and then a month later or a year later, or I mean, you could do it a day later, you could take that 6,000, 7,000 and it was an after-tax contribution. If you didn't receive a, a tax deduction for that contribution, you can convert it from the traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. Now, you're probably thinking that's ridiculous, that's essentially the same thing as putting money in a Roth IRA, why would they have that loophole? And you're right, you're simply putting money in a Roth IRA. Is what it comes down to, but that's the back door. Or let's talk about the four hundred one k. You're only allowed to put in nineteen thousand five hundred into a four hundred one k. But you can have a total amount of fifty eight thousand, and you can add sixty five hundred if you're over age fifty. You can have fifty eight thousand go into a four hundred one k. That can be your contributions, your company matches, or your company profit share, your company contributions, however they want to define them. And then, it can be an after-tax contribution. That after-tax 401k contribution can't be converted to a Roth 401k, or when you retire, you do a rollover, you can convert the after-tax 401k to a Roth IRA. All of that, all of the backdoor Roth in this bill would be done. It would be finished at the end of this year. So, let me repeat that, that's a really big deal. Backdoor Roth, if this bill is passed, is done. I don't even know how many articles and videos we have that touch on the topic of backdoor Roth. It is a huge planning opportunity if you work for a large oil and gas company, but it is it is under attack.
1: And I think that really matters especially when we think about after-tax contributions to a qualified retirement plan because the elective deferral limit which you can defer of compensation is 195. That's the number, you know, when you think your 401k limit is that number, that's what that limit is. But the elective deferral limit for a defined contribution plan limit is actually $58,000. There's a big delta there. So if you make after-tax contributions to a 401k, historically, there's an in-plan conversion, which allows you to convert after-tax to Roth, uh, kind of do the, take advantage of the same opportunity in certain employer plans. And based on how it's written, Justin, right, that, that would also go away.
2: Yes. Now let's get a little bit specific here. So the what is being taken away is the conversion. So there's several steps in this. Uh, one step is putting in after-tax money. And then the other step is having a Roth uh, IRA open. And then the final step is converting the pre-tax to the Roth, whether it's Roth 401k or Roth IRA. So what's under attack is that, that second point that I mentioned. And that second point is the conversion of after-tax to Roth. If you still want to put money in after tax, you can't, according to this bill, but you cannot convert it to a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA. You can't do either of those. So I want to make a real quick point on that. So many people that work at a large oil and gas company have an NUA component in their in their 401k. A couple quick points. You need to be careful with how you treat after tax. I mean, technically, if you're 59 and a half and you want to go buy a new car and you're not going to retire until you're 63. You might be thinking, hey, I've got, you know, I've got a hundred thousand sitting in in after tax money in my 401k. Let's go take it out uh, and pay for the car in cash or or whatever you want to do. Taking a distribution does disqualify uh, your NUA opportunity. So if you're at ExxonMobil and you've got $9 XOM shares, uh, you want to NUA those and you need to be really careful how you navigate your after tax. Uh, make sure you don't do anything to disqualify NUA. Same if you know ConocoPhillips, Phillips 66, Chevron, and insert several others uh, into that. If you have low basis NUA opportunity, you need to tread cautiously there. But after tax could still be a valuable source. If you are 55 and you've got a bunch of of low basis NUA shares that you want to elect NUA on, well, your after tax can offset the cost basis in NUA so that in the year that you retire and you execute the rollover and elect NUA, that after tax money can offset the cost basis to make sure that there's no income taxable event when you do your NUA and IRA rollover. So,
1: Justin, you know, assuming that we can't do the in-plan conversion, and somebody you know is a newer employee at a oil and gas company, and they don't have old, you know, low basis shares, do you think that after-tax contribution is still worthwhile, even if there is not that NUA element? Because part of me thinks so, because you know that tax-deferred growth and just continuing to build some tax diversification and and save an ta- maybe slightly tax advantage away, because there is you know you are deferring those gains. But what do you think?
2: I'm going to shoot you straight. If you're if you're 35 or 40 or younger than that, this bill sucks for you. <laughs> I mean, this, this is not ideal for you and me, Jared. Uh, this means you and I can't do backdoor Roth IRAs. Now, I'm going to just mention this super fast because this isn't going to be super relevant to a ton of our audience. If you, well, it actually will be as time goes on. If you open your own firm of some kind and you are an LLC that files as an S Corp, you're also under attack. S-Corp distributions over that, over that $400,000 or $500,000 level I mentioned, those are now subject to a 3.8% uh, ding if your income passes those levels. But uh, I mentioned that because uh, if you own your own business, it's not a huge deal because you could do a solo 401k and you can put in 58000 And you probably would if your income is at a, you know, a sky high level. But... Yeah. If you're 30, back to your question, Jared, if you're 30 and you're working at Shell right now, this is not ideal because in the past, well, right now you can, I mean, you could put 20, 30,000 in as an after-tax contribution and then convert it to Roth. And there's different rules based on your company on on how you can do that, which we have a ton of content on our website on. You're losing out on 20, 30 years of $20,000 backdoor Roth contributions into your 401k. And let's say you're married that's 12,000 a year for you and your spouse in backdoor roth iras. So this is a lot of money in roth that is going away. But it's not the only way roths are under attack. Uh should we talk about roth conversions?
1: Yeah, that'd be a great point. Yeah, tell me about roth conversions and and what's what's going on there.
2: Okay, so biggest thing in this bill, uh, Roth conversions starting in 2032, Jan 1, 2032, Roth conversions are no longer allowed if you make more than 400 or 450000 a year. Now, let's just pause right there. That That is very unique. The capital gains tax increase in this bill is effective uh, September 13th. This year, if you sell something today and this bill passes, you're going to be subject to the new t- capital gains rate because that's the start date for the new capital gains law. The backdoor Roth law starts Jan 1 of next year. Um, So you can do a backdoor Roth this year, by the way, but you have to get the conversion done before the year end, But during this year. uh, The conversion has to be initiated. Roth conversions though, the expiration date in this bill is 2032 any idea Jared as to why the IRS would want Roth conversions to still be allowed for another 10 years
1: tax revenue if you do a conversion you pay the tax today so if you if you set you know a finish line down the road take it you know it's like it's like a sale to get everybody to take advantage and just you know crowd the store floor that's exactly what they're doing Roth conversions you know they're not gonna People may disagree with me on this, but I don't think they ever go away entirely, right? Because basically people are signing up to pay tax today. And so by creating a window of opportunity, maybe politicians are thinking that it'll accelerate some Roth conversions and kind of really bump up tax revenue right from the get-go.
2: Yes. You might be sick of hearing about us talk about Roth conversions. We do it a lot. Uh, It is still probably the single highest impact opportunity for most oil and gas retirees to lower their future taxes. But with this bill, my goodness, you've got to be, you've got to be really strategic and precise with what you're thinking. So Roth convergence, under the gun, uh, starting in the, in the next decade. But this is the big piece that we need to cover. If you retire with $5 million or more in retirement assets- so, pension, 401k, IRA, any retirement account. You really need to be aware of this stuff because the biggest change, in my opinion, and this doesn't affect many people, but a ton of oil and gas retirees are at this level. Um, and we've we've done a lot of research and content on on why oil and gas. If you're at one of the large oil and gas companies, why financial planning is unique in this demographic but if you hit retirement with mega pre-tax retirement assets and that would be 5 million or more, I mean, maybe even 4 million or more, you could see a huge tax increase on your retirement assets if you're not careful with how you plan this. Uh, So this bill has a provision that if retirement plan assets, so total retirement plans of any type, it doesn't matter what type of retirement plan, if the total retirement assets pass 10 million, it triggers an automatic RMD in that year where you have to take 50% of the amount over 10 million. Now you might be thinking, well, that's so much money. I'm not going to be there. If you have five, 6 million at age 60, and you simply, by the way, your life expectancy is pretty long. If if you're relatively healthy at 60 and, and you have $6 million, and then you fast forward to age 90, you wouldn't have to even grow your assets. I mean, you wouldn't need a, a, a crazy return in your investments to see that $5 million grow into $12 million at age 90. That is even with you taking distributions from the account, uh, which obviously you're going to be required to at age 72. So why do I bring this up? I've talked about this a lot, but you know, we always ask the question, what tax rate are these assets going to be subject to? And, you know, I've been pretty vocal that if you hit retirement with $5 million, at some point, you're going to have an RMD that is close to seven figures. And that's going to be a, a very, you know, high tax year for you. This bill almost ensures that. Again, if you're 60 and you've got $5, six million 6000000 million in a retirement account, not going to take a whole lot of, of growth for that 30 years later to turn into $12 million. And when it does, you've got to take a $1 million RD in that year on top of any other income that you have.
1: Which is why the first, like the pre-retirement and the first season of retirement, those years are so important because it really sets a precedent, but it's easy to delay it, you know, because you hear that number and it's just so astronomically big, you know, 10 million in a, in a retirement accounts, there's no way, but literally just compounding and being prudent and not touching it. And, you know, continuing to, to have a frugal lifestyle, like those things are very real and you need to be preparing for them now because, you know, legislation's coming, it's coming fast and it'll change things. So Justin, I think to wrap up, I think a good place to kind of end would be, was there anything not in this bill that you were kind of surprised about or anything we could maybe breathe a, a sigh of relief for? Cause a lot of this is kind of not, not great news. Is there anything that you feel good about or that you were surprised wasn't in any of the legislation?
2: So biggest surprise, uh, I didn't see anything about 1031 exchanges. So huge real estate tax opportunity. If you invest in real estate, didn't see anything about 1031 exchanges in this. And step up in basis protected. That's a shocker. I mean, that has been on the chopping block for a long time. So if you, uh, let's say you hold positions in a few different companies and you bought them 40 years ago and they have appreciated it in a tremendous way, you have a huge incentive to wait until you pass away uh, before selling because your children, when they inherit the account, they get a step up in basis, which makes it they can sell the stock or the fund right then, and they will not owe any tax. So step up in basis is a huge tax opportunity and strategy that is protected. It's not in this bill. Now, quick thoughts, political process, where's the bill go from here? I mean, this is just a proposal, it's gotta pass uh, Congress, probably will. Then it goes to the Senate, that's a little bit tougher. You know, the, the Democrats have a very, very small majority there. And some of the moderate Dems have made it clear that they're not going to pass certain types of bills. So it's possible we see some tweaks to make it a little bit more palatable and make it more likely to pass. But all in all, Um, Also, the capital gains tax increase, it just increases the capital gains tax to 25% instead of 39.6%. So that's more palatable. Yeah, that was my biggest surprise was
1: that all the fear mongering in the articles were saying that the top marginal capital gains rate was going to match that of income, which as a percentage would be a 200% increase in the top marginal rate, right? So, I mean, it's still a material increase, right? Especially when you think about the Medicare surtax, that will sit on top of that at certain brackets. like. It's not a de minimis increase, but compared to I think where expectations were set, that was a surprise that I thought was nice i, I didn't think a lot of people were afraid that they were going to backdate it, making it you know the capital gains effective beginning any point in twenty twenty one so there was going to be a mass exodus to sell businesses and all that stuff but you know there were some murmurs about that, but I thought there was no way they were going to backdate it like that,
2: yep, so pretty interesting there, and all of those points make it more likely that it could pass or a very similar version could pass. But again, we cover this because a couple of these points are just very uh, critical for oil and gas professionals. And I mean, it really makes it strategic. You need to you need to have a plan this year uh, with your after-tax backdoor Roth. You need to have a plan on how after-tax is going to impact your NUA. And you need to have a plan on Well, if you're young, it is very unfortunate that backdoor Roth may be going away, but that just means that you really need to understand how to navigate investing in a taxable brokerage account, keeping turnover low, having tax efficient funds, harvesting losses to offset future gains, gifting some of your highest appreciated securities, wherever the tax code goes, we have opportunities to navigate it to your best interest. And we have opportunities, you know, what do we always say? I mean, your assets are going to have somewhere between a zero and 50% tax rate on them. And we want to make sound decisions to move as close to zero as possible. Probably not going to be there on, on most assets, but you want to make sound decisions to lower your future taxes. And there's still plenty of opportunities to do that. It's just, you've got to be way more intentional and a little bit more precise in, in how you go about that endeavor.
1: Absolutely. And we'll stay in tune with this and we'll probably need to do an update as this legislation materializes. But if you have any questions about how this might apply to your situation or want to know more about what future episodes we have cooking, send us an email, podcast at brownleywealthmanagement.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleywealthmanagement.com. Or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.